This is Hawkside Guns Podcast. Welcome to Hawkside Guns. This is uh, pretty timely for us since uh, this will be released the week after you have just released the or we just released our last cast, uh, which was delayed a little bit because I brought the file on a USB and then left it at work for the weekend. So, uh, <laughs> well, it, I mean, you could have gotten it about five days earlier than you had it. <laughs> Well, I mean, it's not like we actually had the ability to spend our time doing anything like, I don't know, shooting. Oh, man. Yeah, I have I have not shot in a while. Uh, although, I will say this. I went to Cabela's the other day because I was passing by. And I saw, no joke, it wasn't, it wasn't a leprechaun, I wasn't hallucinating, any of that stuff. I saw about fifteen hundred rounds of two two three. Yeah, I have seen two two three showing up from time to time. I still haven't seen nine millimeter. And I'm like, of all the things that you could have sent, you send two two three. Really? That's that's where we are. We're two two three, not five five six, not nine millimeter, not three eighty. Two two three. Okay, sure. <laughs> well, well, the five five six crowd is settling for two two three at the moment. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's it's, and they weren't overpricing them or anything like that. It wasn't bad. It, you know what? As much as I like to complain about Cabela's from time to time, that is one thing I actually have to give them credit for. Their prices on their ammo has been when they when they've got it, they're not gouging. No, I mean it. it you know, you said it at the. Um, uh, the, the few gun shows that you've been to, and I've seen it in the few gun stores that I've been, gone into, in which you know some of these things, and I know to some extent it's also because their cost has gone up. Gone up. I mean, I've talked to uh, the owner of the gun store that I've worked at from time to time, and he's talked about the fact that he's he's getting charged retail uh, prices for uh, ammo, so he has to mark them up, and obviously it gets more expensive. Cabela's has not been doing that i mean they they've definitely got their markup and their mark and the prices have gone up as their costs have gone up but they have not just up and gouged everybody no they really haven't uh now the guns are more expensive than they used to be but yes you know if you've got to pick one right like you buy a gun one time you buy ammunition well when they have it every week or at least i do yeah. Uh, so I'd rather have the the price on the wait for a good price on a gun than wait for the ammunition to come down on pricing. So I it, it works out. Now if you shoot 28 gauge by any chance, you're in good shape. Oh hell yes. Um, in fact, I went over just to just to look and see, and they have like some craptastic uh, foldable 28 gauge single shot shotguns, and I'm like. And they were cheap. I mean, there are these little Italian things, and I'm just like, ugh, I can't. I even I can't do 28 gauge. I just I don't want to. It's like half I, a step I, off of 410. Because I, I, I was about to say, I mean, I where does how does that compare to 410? Because I have zero experience with 28 gauge. It's it's between 20 and 410. It's really okay. what it is. It's it's a little smaller than 20, 
and it's a little bigger than 410 is really what it is. But for and people shoot with it. Don't get me wrong. It's a game load. I mean, they use it extensively in Europe. Um, they use uh, like 16 and 28 gauge in Europe a lot. Uh, that's those are very popular rounds over there or more popular than here. But everything here is is pretty much set for 410, 20 and 12. You know, they, yeah, which is why I didn't know much about 28. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just not very common over here. I mean, you can still all do all the same stuff with it. You can shoot skate. You can shoot, you know, trap. You can do bird, you know, uplink game and stuff like that. I mean, they make, I've never seen them, but I know they make slugs for them. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, I mean, the, the funny part about it is, is even though we're talking about going, eh, 28 gauge, you know there's somebody who's looking at that shelf going, well, shit, I need a 28 gauge shotgun now. <sighs> You know, I did that with rifles, you know, because yes. for, for a while it was like, hey, Creedmoor. <laughs> and I had a full year of Creedmoor that I wouldn't ordinarily had because all the thirty thirty, all the, you know, uh, the the five five six, all those rifle, all the popular rifle rounds were out. And I actually happened to wind up really liking 6.5 Creedmoor. And I, it did all the things I wanted to do. And, and I was very pleased with it. I still am. Now, you can't get it anymore, but I still have, you know, a couple hundred <laughs> rounds of it in case I need to. But uh, it was it was a neat gun, and I think it will be when the ammunition shortage is done. Actually, the, the, the one out of all these, like, ammos that have popped up and everybody started saying, oh, we have this, hoping to get, see if they can get an interest in it. In the one that's, that's just made me chuckle is the 50 BMG. Oh, my God. Have, there everybody's were, got 50 BMG. There were four boxes of this stuff. <laughs> I'm like, who has a 50 BMG? Like, why do you need that? A 50-round box is a lifetime supply. (laughs) You don't need that. And I'm sure there's a hunter somewhere going, well, I'd take down... Deer in three miles. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I shoot dire bears down. (laughs) They're standing behind armored vehicles. Um, I... I don't know. I it's but yeah, they do. It's weird because they got the big 50 BMG box. And it's got the hologram, you know, stuff on it and everything. And I'm just, oh, why? Like who? Who's buying that? You know? Yeah. I, I, and I'm getting email from distributors going, "We have 50 BMG," and it's kind of like, "Yeah, who but cares? We don't. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> why are you making that? Of all the things you could have set them up to to make, and you you picked fifty BMG, why? You know, uh, there was there was a lot of uh, buckshot, twelve gauge buckshot, um, you know, like nine pellet buck. There was probably yeah. a thousand rounds of that on the shelf, and people were literally queuing up to to get their prescribed. I think it's like four or five boxes that you can have max at Cabela's uh, to get uh, their four or five last boxes. Time... Last time they had anything at Arcabella's, it was two. Really? Wow. Yeah. You could buy two boxes of, of any one thing. There, Yeah, I think it, here it's four. I th- I'm pretty sure it's four. Um, but I, there's just like this tiny, sad little corner of a shelf that has ammunition <laughs> on it. Oh, uh, yeah. They they've literally have placed everything else in the ammunition aisle besides ammunition. And, and I even ran into a funny one this week. My my brother finally decided that, yes, he actually wants to buy the PPK off of me. Damn it. I mean, uh, oh, good for him. 
what the part that made me laugh was he sits there and he went, uh, it, yeah, you, you got some 380 to go with it, too, don't you? And I'm like, hell no. $50 a box. <laughs> he, he's like, what, you, you, you don't have any 380? I'm like, I don't have any 380 to give. I don't have any for you. I have 380. <laughs> you know what's sad? <laughs> Anywhere, well, I mean, and the worst part about it is he's going, well, we're a wee bit defensive now, aren't we? And it was kind of like, well, do you know how much that cost me? <laughs> do you know if I give you this, I can't replace it? Yeah. Yeah. I, and you still, you still get those guys who wander up and just kind of sashay up to the counter, you know, with their trucker hat and their pants pulled up too far and the <laughs> boots. Y'all, uh... I didn't see any nine millimeter out there. You know, you're like, oh, for fuck's sake, dude. Like, <laughs> there's been any nine millimeters since Trump was in office, all right? Since before that, all right? There's no nine millimeter. There's not going to be any nine millimeter. And when you come back next week, there's still not going to be any nine millimeter. And, and even what you said last weekend, which um, I, I I listened to and kind of went, eh, okay, but um. Even then saw several videos of people touring the manufacturing places. They actually haven't slowed down much on manufacturing. They're like, our output is actually more than it was I'm prior you. to the pandemic. Yeah. It's the fact that there's 3.5 million more guns out there. They have, they have as a whole, they have produced 30% more ammunition year over year uh, in 2020, and it wasn't even close to enough. They are still reeling and trying to spool up harder than uh, than they're currently doing, and there's just there's not enough trained people, there's not enough machines, there's not enough materials to get them going any harder. And and even then, that was to some extent what the guy on the video uh, at, who ran the plant was actually saying was his statement was. Um, could we go faster? Maybe, but you know, at, we've reached literally the point in which if we go any faster, the quality is going to diminish dramatically. Yeah. And we're just not going to do that, which I kind of appreciate. I respect that. Uh, there's not like, you know, if there's one thing, you don't you don't want them to skimp on quality. It's bullets you're putting in your gun. Well, there's uh, that whole like explosive thing that you know yeah. that you're holding that you're holding relatively near your face. You know, it's 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 an important. It's my favorite face. Um, it's I only have one. I don't have a spare. Uh, so to me, well, that's they, probably they good. do do they do do face transplants these days. Oh, they do face off. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's to me. I don't. I, I don't recommend it. <laughs> but they do. <laughs> but they do. It's it's a thing, you know. You know, I'd just rather have the clean ammo. You know, this just get some nice good ammo in there. I think that's probably a better better route to go. There's uh there's but there isn't any. You know, like you can't find any and when they do get stuff, I'm sure if I went back today, all that all of those two two three and that twelve gauge uh nine nine pellet buck is gone. I bet you uh, all of it. Until they reach a point where there's enough to fill up the shelf two days in a row, it's not going to change. Because it's it, what it's going to take is for you to come back one day, or and, and other people like you and me, to come back two days later and see that there's still ammo on the shelf to realize that they don't have to buy as much as they can get their hands on. Yeah. 
And even though that may happen, the first one back, you're going to, you're going to splurge. Oh, absolutely. But that's what I'm saying. It's What it's going to take is that final, finally the ability, the, the recognition that you could come back, you know, because everybody's, what they're seeing is they're seeing ammo on the shelf now and going, that's not going to be there tomorrow. That may not even be there an hour from now. Yeah. So the moment people actually, there's enough that once all that's gone, that they can restock the shelves. Um, th- that's when it'll start to slow down because that what it's going to take is for people to be able to come back and see that they don't need to take everything they can right now. Right. Right. And, you know, like you don't need to buy the limit every time, you know, come back a day after day and day after day after day and buy the limit every time. That's not, you don't need to do that. And that's what people were doing back in November here. I mean, the, the ammunition shortage did not hit us here. There was still nine millimeter on the shelves left, right and backwards up until the later part of November. And, which is pretty decent. It took a long time to clear Texas out uh, of of ammunition. No, oh, it, it happened. It, it it is Texas, though. Yeah, it is Texas. Uh, it took a long time. We had a lot of backlog. Okay, we have a lot of bullets running around this place. So it's it, it took a long time for for any ammunition shortage to 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 get here. Uh, now the the nine millimeter was in short supply in, in November, but you could still get it. You could get Two boxes, right? A box or two. That's what they'd let you get of nine millimeter. Everything else was unrestricted. Well, um, there is, there has been a positive for you for this, though. The positive is that without all the extra ammo, without the time and ability to go shooting, it has given you the opportunity to stop long enough to fix your Ithaca. Correct. That it has. Uh, I took some money from selling a gun the other day and bought my little welder. And I fixed, I, <laughs> I sold a gun that retails for about $750 uh, to fix a gun that retails for about $375. Um, the problem is, the pro- it's my Ithaca Model 51. They call it a Featherlight, although I have no idea why. It's the heaviest shotgun I own. Uh, it's, it is, it is well, well, it is have heavy. you, have you held the other Ithaca, the non-featherlight? <laughs> I don't, I don't think so. I don't think okay, I have. It, it, Maybe that was just it, like depleted uranium or something, you know? I was going to say, it may, it, it may not necessarily be the fact that it's featherlight in comparison to other brands of shotgun, but to other Ithacas. This is the Ithaca model anvil, you know. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's, it's got a, it's a big gun. It's got 20, 29 inch barrel. It's big. Whatever you do, don't drop it on your foot. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but it, the problem with the Ithaca is the slide assembly, which has the action bars and all that kind of stuff on it. Uh, the stamped, the, the very thin stamped steel that is made on those those rails for the slide assembly. Because of the shock that is run down the slide uh, during firing and ejection, it tends to snap the the slide bars. And the the entire assembly is on this big long train, right? So you've got the the action bars in the back, the slide which carries the bolt on top of it, and then in front of it, it's got the the barrel location and all that kind of stuff in front of the sled. So it's it really comes in three pieces, and if any part of that big ass train is 
is a problem, the whole gun doesn't cycle. So, or if you break both ends of the slide assembly, it'll just fall out the bottom of your shotgun, which is, you know, that's not good, not ideal. Uh, so, uh, it's been down for close to a year. Uh, I think I broke it, or it broke in summer of 2000 or 2020. And I just, I was, I was so upset because at the time it was my favorite automatic shotgun. It's still one of my favorites. Uh, it's just so soft. And the problem is, the real problem with that gun, I have just trashed it. But the problem with it is, it is amazing to shoot. It is, it is uh, very quick to swing. It is wildly accurate, at least for me. It feels right in my hands. It's got a high combs, you know. It's it's got a nice long rib to it. It's it's uh, it's very comfortable to hold and shoot. So, so you're saying the problem is is that you actually like it? I do like it, and it's and it's one of those things that if it had been any other gun, I'd have just trashed it because <laughs> they don't make the slide assembly anymore. You can't buy a replacement, not even on eBay, not an old crappy one, not secondhand parts, not, oh, it's it's off my gun that's as old as yours, but it's it's not broken. You you can't buy the assembly anymore. You, you, well, you pretty much have to just go out and buy an, another Ithaca. Right, which is what everybody tried to do, you know, but eventually all of them break in, in the, uh, on the slide assembly. All of them do. And it was just kind of a bad design. It was a stamped steel type thing, and then they rolled it uh, to make a platform on top of it to carry the bolt. And the the place where they rolled it in the factory, there's a little notch there, and right at that notch is where it cracks. And it's just on every freaking uh, featherweight that they they make. Eventually, if you put enough rounds through it, it will break. And mine did. It broke. And I heard it, too. It, it made a, an extra twang when the bolt came forward. It's like, twang. Oh, that's not a good sound. We'll just uh, <laughs> we'll just put that away. <laughs> I cleared it and, you know, made sure another was in there. And I was like, I don't think I want to work that bolt again. I think it broke the action. It snapped its own action bar. And, of course, Bono's like, oh, no, that couldn't happen. I'm like, oh, I bet it did. Um, yep. I bet it did. <laughs> And he's what kind of shotgun breaks his own action bar? I'm like, these are famous for it. <laughs> in Ithaca. In Ithaca, you know, it's it. And, you know, I, I shouldn't come down too hard on the Ithaca Bottle 51. It was a beautifully running shotgun. It is wonderful to shoot. Just had this one flaw with it. And a lot of guns have those those flaws. The problem was, is one, it was for shotgun designed in the 60s. So they didn't really compensate great for the gas right because it's a gas gun it's not a spring gun so they didn't they didn't really know about how much pressure this thing would be under and they had no engineering squad to say oh yeah this is under too much force we ought to beefen up those bars a little bit uh which is all it would have taken they didn't do that so uh it just got this horrible name for uh for doing that now have you considered I, I going to a machine shop, handing it to him and saying, can you make something to this dimensions only a little bit stronger? I did. And I took it down there and I showed him what the deal was and showed him what he'd have to do and all that kind of stuff. And they were going to charge me more than buying a new one was. And I went, well, I'm not doing that. 
Uh, and it's sort of like a Star Wars Luke Skywalker moment. I could buy my own ship for that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, but who's going to fly it? You know, exactly. And I was like, you know, I can weld. I can fix this. So what the problem was, this was in the middle, deep in the bowels of COVID, and nobody was shipping anything from China, which is where my welder was made, because uh, I got it, again, from the aforementioned well, it, Harbor Freight. Isn't everything? Hey, you know, right now, that's probably true. Uh, but I got a little titanium welder, which is wonderful. It's a little flux core welder, but it's got variable voltage. And it's small enough that you could actually do a, a very small weld like this that's less than a quarter of an inch tall and on, you know, like one-eighth stock. And that's, you know, like if you get like a big arc welder, just blow right through it. Or, you know, some of the, the MIG welders might be able to do it, but I don't want a big, you know, giant bottles sitting out in my garage. It's like, hey, let's put a couple bombs in your garage. That would be great. <laughs> I just didn't. I didn't want those in there. So uh, flux core is the way to go. You plug it into normal 120. You can weld on these little projects like gun parts and cart it away, and you're fine. Okay. Well, I do have a question with regards to this, and it's it's a question because I don't honestly – well, let's put it this way. Everything I've learned about metalworking came from the hit history TV show Forged in Fire. <laughs> um, so, But that being said, I have heard some things, and I have listened – um, and but at the same time, I also don't know what I'm talking about. So the question I have is, considering the fact that it was a weak point in the actual construction to begin with, now that you've welded it, doesn't it make it even weaker? Or no, it we makes just, it stronger. Just, it does. Yeah. Okay. Uh, one is uh, I can lay more steel on the weak points than it previously had because again it was just this stamped piece of thin plate or bar it, stock for all intents and purposes if it, you put more steel into it though does it still fit and slide in the same fashion yes if you put it into the right areas right i could make it taller and i could make it a little thicker on one end of it because there was nothing there to to catch it right okay on the outside edge it has to be exactly as thick or, or exactly on the same plane as it used to be but on the side or on the uh top side bottom side and back side it can be thicker and still cycle just fine which i tested and i ran it in there and it, but uh i also uh took a triangle file and filed down a notch so it looks like a v cut into it all along the crack right so that i could lay in and put because remember with a weld if it's done correctly you're actually mixing you're melting the metal together right you're melting yeah. the steels together so it's not just you're putting it's not like super glue where you're putting something around it this is actually reforging the the steel essentially yeah. so as long as you got your voltage right and you get a good penetration which the the notch kind of ensured uh, i can lay more steel on it and it's actually more structurally sound than it used to be so okay. that's what we did. Uh, I got it, my... Well, I mean, as I said, I'm not familiar with metalworking, and all I know is that every time they try to do that unfortunate fire, the knife breaks. Well, the the <laughs> and and I'm not trying to push you on it. It was just kind of one of those things where I didn't understand what it was that you were trying to do. The other thing about that is they are composing their steel and adding their carbon and 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 doing it from scratch. 
with the composite steel that they're doing, they are making it either too hard or too soft or, you know, it's going to shatter if you put it here. And then the other thing they're doing is, is making bad design points on where, you know, where they're hitting it. And then they go and try and purposely break it. Beat there. shit out of it. Yeah. Um, what we're doing is a, is, is it's doing the same action every time. You're not going to hit it at a different spot or ah. at a different thing. It is going to do the same thing every time over and over and over. And if you can reinforce it so that it is more structurally sound doing that particular action, it'll be fine. Okay. Well. So it's actually more stable and more and stronger now than it was. Uh, it's and, and I had to file down and file down and file down. I'm still not quite done with it yet, but um, it is. I got rid of the notch, you know, because it's because that's just where the the thing pinched and rolled it. Um, so that's no longer there. I've put, I've added a bunch more steel or not a bunch, but you know, relative to the crack or the, the break, a lot more steel. Um, in the grand scheme of things, it's probably less than would make a very, I mean, it's like a third of a marble size worth of steel. I mean, it's so, nothing. So when do we open the Ithaca repair shop then? Man, I thought about that. I was like, you know, I could fix everyone's 51. <laughs> you know, if they're having this problem, which everyone is, uh, this is it's because it, the setup for it took longer than the actual weld. Uh, the <laughs> and, and, and and hey, how many? If you set up the website, how many other people do you think are going to pop up if if somebody Google's fix my Ethica 51? <laughs> I don't know. I I have no idea. I mean, it's because you can't buy the sled anymore. That's the part that's really annoying. Like you can't. Yeah. People, people ship you theirs. You fix it and send it back. Yeah. I don't know. I I don't know how many people actually have this gun anymore. Well, it'd be interesting to see. Actually, see, and here's where I probably messed you up. No, the little bit that I learned about creating websites recently is now that we've actually said this, somebody has run to GoDaddy and purchased that <laughs> fix um, my Ithaca 51. <laughs> yes. And so you'd now have to spend $600,000 to get that back from somebody. <laughs> yeah. That's why you name it something else. But, uh, there's, but I mean, I thought about doing that. I'm like, you know, I wonder how many, I wonder if you could look it up. How many Ithaca model 51s were made? Uh, let's see here. The 51 was introduced in 1970. Gas operated. Uh, nice clean yeah okay whatever uh, yeah it's not it's not clean it's 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 not it's not good homie uh, well i mean once again define clean yeah exactly you know it's i can't believe there wouldn't be at least a couple of people who wouldn't want that fixed because it's a beautifully shooting shotgun i just have I... no idea like how many of them are still running around where people are like, yeah, fix this. I love this gun. Like I do, you know, but then again, you know, you're listening to shotguns of the seventies with Sean. I mean, it's not, <laughs> Hey, if it, earlier it was metallurgy with Sean. So, you know, That's no, true. No, though, though I will say I was the one who asked the question, <laughs> but I mean, it's, it was cool. Cause it's like, okay, I have fixed this, you know, and I put it back together you know, I haven't reblacked it and I haven't done the final sanding, but I did get it down to the point where, okay, this is pretty close. Let me see. And, you know, you kind of have to test it real careful and, and all that. 
let me see if this thing will cycle. And I put it in and I went out to, uh, went out to the, to Bonus place, uh, cause it was the closest place I had that a 12 gauge going off would not alarm anyone. Uh, amazing how that happens. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and just cycled it a couple of times after I ran the bolt back and forth, you know, at the house, I was like, you know, this, this feels right. I mean, it feels fine. And, uh, ran it out there, cycled it a couple of times, you know, ran a couple of rounds through it, heavy load and light loads. And it was great. I'm like, well, hell yeah. <laughs> that was a, I spent less on the welder and all the gear than I would have on a new slide, the machinist work, or buying a new 51. So to well, me, it that was a win. Yeah, that was a win. And I can use the welder on other stuff. But uh, like never, and this is what I always tell people, like never feel bad about buying tools. Tools will always pay for themselves eventually. Right. You'll have another project or you'll have some other stuff you got to do or, you know, this is going to take you longer than you thought. So renting them when one be always tools, always, always pay for themselves. But okay. the this I mean, I think I mean, the welder is cheap. I mean, if you're if you're a Harbor Freight, uh, what is it? Inside track club member, it's one hundred fifty bucks. I mean, it's it's nothing plus a helmet, well, plus some gloves and some other peripheral stuff. Yeah, I'd have to know how to weld first. <laughs> okay, there, yeah, they, you do have to learn how to do that. But, um, you know, it's it's not as hard as people make it out to be. I mean, yes, I uh, I went to welding well, school, but still. Uh, and and I am lucky enough to know a couple of people who were uh, machinists and welders by trade. So when it comes to things like that, I just usually hand it to them and go, hey, can you fix this? <laughs> It's very valuable to me. Can you can you like do some of that machinist crap? <laughs> Fix this. Uh, you know, I just uh, the the part that angered me was just uh, it was a simple repair. Like any any idiot with a welder, uh, i.e. me, could have done this. But uh, I, I I mean the machinist looked at it and went, oh yeah, I'm not touching that for under two hundred bucks. Well. Or 250, I think is what he wanted for it. He's like, well, I'm gonna have to do this, and I have to do that. I'm like, no, you don't. You just have to weld the damn thing back together. He goes, well, this got to do. You got to take it apart and do that. I'm like, no, you don't. Just cover it up with tape. <laughs> <laughs> just do the weld right here. It's fine. You know, I mean, if it burns the tape, it's fine, but it's not gonna do. I mean, the slag will just get get deflected or whatever. And I had to, you know, I built a little uh, table and a little rig to to make sure that it didn't get slag anywhere so that yeah, all the parts would actually run and work and all that kind of thing and you have to go over the piece and go okay do we get any 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 extraneous metal anywhere or you know like little little slag and uh it was it was fine you know the the setup and the cleanup took longer than the weld itself and that's I have usually a, the way those types of things go yeah and i have a functioning model 51 which is as and a I new welder said, and a new welder this was not a, I mean, and then like immediately after, like 10 minutes after that, the seal, the main seal on my compressor went when I was going to try and blow everything off, just, <laughs> just explosive decompression and just, just spit all this crap at the bottom of my table. And I'm like, <laughs> so I, I got a welder, lost my compressor, uh, which runs like a ton of stuff. It runs my air blower. It runs my, uh, carving rig. It runs everything. And I'm like, well, there's 300 bucks. <laughs> I'm gonna need. But the way I'm looking at it, 
is that would have happened whether I bought the welder or not. True. And I was just, I mean, the things. And, and you wouldn't, and if you hadn't, you wouldn't have a working 51. Exactly. You know, uh, so I was super proud and super happy that I actually mended the gun. Uh, and, and it works fine. So it's, is it a little bit redneck to, to weld that stuff together yourself? Sure. Well, you are in Texas. I am in Texas, but I mean, there's no other avenue for this. Like nobody makes the part. You can't really buy it because it has the same problem. And it's, if you just took it to a shop, they charge you more than the gun's worth. So (laughs) how do you fix it? You know, I, I didn't really have any, and a lot of the other shops are just closed right now because they're still, although in Texas they're opening up again because we're, we're open. But, um, or at least that's what the governor says. <laughs> uh, the, the stores are all still closed, or a lot of them. Uh, but this this kind of problem is something I think uh, a lot of people have. You know, like how do you fix your gun when, uh, especially well, something like that? Well, and but you're also more into, for lack of a better term, antique firearms. That is so true. Are, so they are things in which you're not going to be able to find parts for. You're all the, the they are things that are um, going to be. Uh, I think the word I'm looking for is fragile, though maybe maybe not. Um, the other thing is it also comes from a time period in which. You know, you're talking about to me about having a welder. I'm like, oh, cool. This guy's got a welder when, you know, back in the 60s and 70s, it was kind of like, oh, Bob's got a welder. We'll just go weld it. You know, it it was just it was a different time. These days it's, oh, it's polymer. Throw it away and we'll get a new one. Well, Um, And that's the other thing about working on in quote unquote antique guns, guns that are 40 years old. It's stamped steel. Yeah. All right. I knew it was steel. Like if it had been aluminum, magnesium, titanium, polymer, you'd have been screwed. Right. But because yeah. it's steel, I can fix it. Well, I have another question for you, and it's going to be a tough one. It's uh, it's unfortunate that. Uh, OK, it, because we are a gun podcast in the past week, I don't think we have a choice but to at least go into it slightly. Uh, I'm assuming you've seen the past couple of bills that have passed through the House for the past week. I've seen it. Okay. Yeah, don't get me wrong. It it makes me groan, too. It just, as I said, we're a gun podcast. I don't see how we can just pretend it's not happening. So my question is, is I've seen three, but I've also seen six million different reports on what they're actually supposed to do. Uh, and which even a lot of people pointing at each other going, you're lying. That's not what it's supposed to do. Are, are you any clearer on this stuff than I am? I don't think so. I mean, uh, I've heard conflicting reports and I've tried to, to track down like actual wording and stuff. And, and I mean, it's it's it was masterfully done if you want to confuse people. I mean, if that well, was the will, goal. And, and I think that is the goal because I, I, <laughs> The easiest way to put it is we've talked about it before. There are 3.5 million more firearms out there. So there's 3.5 million people who have spent and invested money in something that the U.S. government is about to – well, is is proposing at this exact moment in time to say you can't have anymore. Um, And 
the three bills that I've seen, and and I will preface this with once again, I'm not 100 percent sure I'm correct about what these three bills are supposed to do. Uh, first bill is one that basically goes into the way background checks are done. Uh, now, I will admit that bill will not affect me in any way, shape or form because you can't transfer a firearm to the state of Delaware without going through a background check at, at all. It's just not possible to do. Um, and not only that, but the three-day to 10-day wait, uh, possible wait if you're put on delay in your background check uh, is that they're talking about extending is actually, in the state of Delaware, extended to 25 days. So that affects me not at all. The way I would see it would affect you is that you wouldn't be able to do the, you know, selling to somebody in the middle of the gun show. Yeah, well, and that's what it was really designed for is closing the gun show loophole. Exactly. And then there's the other bill is that, once again, I see as somebody, people getting really, really pissy, but I don't see it as... Uh, the end of the goddamn world, which is because we've had it before and we've been through it before, which is the assault weapons ban. Um, yeah. Uh, and, and you and you look at what they're defining as assault weapons, and it's all bullshit, as we've discussed before. But the part of it that I think is going to save them on that one is that they are grandfathering any that you own as of right now. I mean, like I said, we or like you said, we've been through this, and honestly, I don't think that. I mean, kind of conversely from the other rule, this rule does not affect me. I don't own anything yeah. that they would consider in a quote-unquote assault rifle. There, There isn't any of that, and, and nobody's looking to restrict the types of firearms I own. However, um, that doesn't mean there's not cause for concern because this has a way of creeping, right? I, I, I agree wholeheartedly, but I think what's going to – the saving grace on that one, the one that's going to get them to be able to stand up and say – we're not taking anything away from you, whether you agree with that statement or not, is the fact that they're going to grandfather those that people already own. I think that's what's going to let them get away with it. Yeah, because they're like, oh, we're not taking your guns. We're just yes. we're just limiting. The, it, was, it was a brilliant maneuver to take a lot of the sting out of it. Yes. Right? Uh, because because if you start telling people that we're going to and which is what's going to come into the third bill, which I think is where the real problem is. But I also think it's a decoy. Um, but the but if you start telling people that you're going to make things that they already own, that if they don't give it back, they've suddenly become felons. That's an issue. And I don't and I think they're going to run into a problem where people just flat out won't do it. Yeah. I mean, what are they talking about with that one? Is that one? With the assault weapons or the third one? The third one. The third one is the one which gets confused because it, it, there's been several different reports on exactly what it is and what it will do and how it will work. And I think, and I'm going to preface that once again with, I think I've got finally got a handle on what exactly it's talking about. And I personally think this is a decoy because I think they know they can't pass it, which is um, a nationwide licensure for firearms. Now, I don't personally have an, a problem with the idea of licensing people to own firearms. It is a deadly weapon, and I don't have a problem with the idea of demonstrating, just like you do with an automobile, that you are capable of using one without killing – well, without accidentally killing somebody um, – without and to be able to own one i don't really have a problem with that the problem i have is with the stipulations that are going along with it first of all they're talking about the fact that um 
you would have to have this license, which would take you 24 hours of training time to acquire within three months. That's not possible. Say that again? 24 hours of training you, you time? Have to, you, you have to have 24 man hours of training time. And from the day that the bill would that the law would go live, you would have three months to acquire it before every firearm you had would be a felony. I don't even think that's possible to institute. Exactly. I mean, um, the yeah. other part of the other part about it is, as part of the process of getting the um, the license, would also involve a psychological test. Oh yeah, there's there's one that's going to be super yeah. So, and, and here's the thought process that goes into that. I mean, there's lots of other stipulations that go that went into this, and you, the more the farther and farther down you go into the stipulations, the more and more you realize that it's that that it kind of would go into the concept of don't create a law that you literally can't enforce. And it's and it's really what it would be. It would be a law that would be for all intents and purposes unenforceable unless you're going to create an entirely new government agency who's going to spend every day of their lives knocking on every door and scanning every house in the in the entire United States to see whether or not they have guns. And I don't think we're prepared for that yet. Oh, I don't think they do that. What they do is just come down on you like with a giant hammer when you shot somebody with it. Uh, true. But I personally, th my thought process as I'm looking at this is a little bit too much politics here, but I'll go ahead and throw it out of there anyway. If you look at what they just did with the COVID relief bill that really had no COVID relief in it, but they named it the COVID relief bill so they could get it passed. Um, yeah, I know. Giggle, giggle. <laughs> um, you know, that what that basically tells you is is that if they really wanted to do all of that draconian stuff, why not pack it into one of the other bills and pretend it's not there? So where I'm my mind is taking me that they're going with this is they're going to sacrifice that one to get the other two passed. Maybe. I mean, you gotta remember, and again, this is going a little political, you have an entirely democratic controlled government right now. It, it, Yes, but at the same time, they also have a completely, well, a, a heavily conservative Supreme Court. And you can you can make a constitutional argument. I think it's a shitty constitutional argument. I think it's a piss poor constitutional argument. But you can make a constitutional argument on the other two. You can't make a constitutional argument on the third. There's no legitimate constitutional argument on that third. So if you've got a bunch of constitutional conservatives on the Supreme Court... If you throw that into the other two bills, they it, the whole thing gets thrown out. They're sacrificing that to be able to get the other ones through and then be able to stand up and go, hey, look, everybody, we did gun control for special. Vote for us. Yeah, gun control is not going to control any guns. Um... Oh, well, yeah, I mean, it, it, we can obviously go very far into the logic of gun control and the pure and simple fact that there are so many firearms out there just even purchased in the past year that what they're talking about is completely unenforceable and completely incapable of actually making true. Um but at the same time, they're still looking for the ability to pass something that says, hey, look at us, we're awesome. And then the worst part about it is, is when they sacrifice the one that I think they're going to sacrifice, they get to point at everybody else and go see the bad people wouldn't let us do this. Yeah, it does sound like something that uh, a a large kind of sweeping policy would do. Uh, there, there's not... 
And to me, they're going about it. I mean, I obviously they're going about it wrong. Okay, I mean, just the assault weapons thing in general, they have never defined, we have never, as a country or as a regulation body, defined what a freaking assault weapon is, right? We have, well, it, they have it, no it, idea. But, but, they, but it, see, the thing is, is they don't even want to, because no. they can't point to anything scary and say assault weapon if they actually define what one is. Right, which is what they're trying to get away from as, as heartily as they can, and I understand that. Like, try and, make, try and get away with as vague wording as you can so that you can enforce whatever you want later. Totally get that. Uh, but... Because why would you want to define it when you could get it by without it and then claim everything is an assault weapon, right? And now you're just arguing terms for a law that's on the books. Exactly. Which they failed at last time because they got it removed, right? And that was a huge failure for for all of that stuff and, and as far as they were concerned. And and it went into, uh, you know, now they're, they they tried to push it on every news news thing Everywhere, you know, assault weapon, assault weapon, assault weapon, assault weapon. Oh, they shot at this thing with an assault weapon. And they, they tried to use that word to to create fear. I totally get it. I mean, you can see what they're doing. They they lost and they're pissed about it and they want it they wanna they wanna get it back so that they can try another tactic on it, which is once they get it back, argue on what is and what isn't. Right. Instead of just being uh, being overarching about it, they'll argue on over every term, over everything, well, so that so that you, there everything winds up being one. Well, it, it, well, and basically what happens is, is every time something happens with a particular type of firearm, it'll be, oh, that's an assault weapon. Yeah, and it doesn't matter what it is. The way I've seen them do this before. No word today if this was if it was an assault weapon that did this horrible crime, and they just throw it in, right, to associate that that's bad, whether it was or not, right? Could have been a a fifty year old revolver, and they'll still throw out there, you know, like this. It has not been confirmed if this was an assault weapon. I've seen them do that. More than once. Well, well it, or, or even then, they'll do start doing things like, um, it was a large caliber revolver. Right. Right. <laughs> what do you consider a small caliber revolver? It was a thirty-eight. <laughs> you know, I mean, was it a, was it a fifty? <laughs> was it a Desert Eagle? If it was a Deagle, then you might have a problem. But if it was a, you know, a thirty-two, that's, yes, it's bigger than a twenty-two, but not much. So, I mean, there's... Uh, yeah, I've heard that before. It was a large caliber handgun, you know, and it's just, and then they'll show you a picture and this is always my favorite. Like the, the, this happened in, in Dallas, uh, a while back, I guess a year or two ago, they showed, they said it was a large caliber handgun. Uh, and they showed a picture of a blacked out Israeli military or, you know, Israeli, Israeli military industries, uh, an IMI 50 caliber, right? Blacked <laughs> out, big tactical sight on it, all that kind of stuff. They showed a picture of that as a sample, right, of a large caliber gun. <laughs> what it actually was was a Taurus 38. Uh, yeah. <laughs> revolver. You know? And you're like, uh, and it just always stuck in my mind. And the the actual gun wasn't even black. It was stainless with a wood grip handle. And I'm like, wow, that's actually a pretty gun. <laughs> you know, I, and uh, me, I'm like, wow, that's a pretty gun. You know, 
Um, but they use the the other picture to scare you, right? And that's that's kind of what's happening here. And I think you're you're probably close as far as the you know like this has no hope of really doing anything. They're really trying to close the gun show loophole. Will affect me. Um, yeah, that that's that's the only one I looked at. And and where my mind kind of went into this was once again with the conversation with my brother because he called me up and was absolutely freaking out. And when I took a step back and explained to him how him actually living in Maryland, this affects him even less than me. Yeah, you're going to have to take um, it to a shop and get a, a freaking paperwork which on he, it anyway. Which, yeah, which he already had to do one way or the other. He was going to have to wait two weeks for anything one way or the other. That That's not – it literally does not change his life in the slightest. Um, but, yeah, you were the one I thought of when I heard this, and I went, that is the only person I know whose life this is going to affect because it will stop you from just exchanging stuff over at um, gun shows. Uh, what it, but really, even then, what it's going to do is put you in a position where when you meet somebody and they say, hey, is that for sale, you're going to have to go over to one of the dealers and let them transfer it for you. Yeah. You know, and, and it's uh, – I probably – I don't know. In the last, I, I'd say in the last five years, uh, I've probably done, I don't know, 40, 50 private sales where it was just me and another person and we exchanged either guns or money. You know, either I was buying, yeah. he was buying, we were trading, something like horse trading, whatever. There's probably been about 40 or 50 of those in the last five years that have not involved somebody with, a license, you know, a, a retail license. So uh, that will affect me heavily. But is it the end of the world? No. Uh, is does it's it a pain a, in the ass? It's a pain in the ass for sure, and it adds, you know, headache and time to to whatever it is. I understand what they're trying to accomplish with the rule. I don't think it's going to do that. But it's it is something like here we're gonna have some extra paperwork, um, you know. So at least the crazy person had to be in a store and fill out some paperwork at one time. That doesn't do anything, you know. Like people still do that all the time now. And if somebody wants a gun, they're not gonna go down to the store and buy one necessarily. They're gonna go steal one. Uh, if somebody well, nefarious well, yeah. wants to do that, they can do that. Well, it, it, and, and that kind of goes back into what we're talking about. You're talking about a law that is very, very difficult to enforce. The amount of illegal firearms out there is not going to change. People who want to acquire one are still going to acquire one. The, and if they get caught, they're just going to have an extra law that they broke tacked on to what they did. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not I, – I don't think it's going to change anything. Also, you know, there's <sighs> – and uh, I, I can say this now. I mean, I, I probably won't be able to say it in another couple of years. But, uh, you know, I have firearms that are not registered or did not go through any kind of paperwork process in my possession right now. Um, yeah. I mean, it's uh, not a lot, but some. And it's like, okay. You know, nobody knows you have it. You sell it to somebody else. I mean, there's going to be trades like that where where that happens. So to me, I, I just I can't get there from where they're trying to go. I mean, I know they're trying to like you're saying, they're trying to pass something that's going to to be. Oh, look, we've we've solved gun control. No, you haven't. 
<laughs> you haven't solved anything. We've addressed it. Okay, well, yeah, what is that actually doing? It's fixing things. No, it's kind of not. <laughs> uh, I can't wait for the first time they trip over themselves when they realize when when their constituents and other Democrats who are gun owners figured out what they have done and get mad about it, uh, it'll be very amusing to me. Uh, absolutely. Um, it's just becoming weird. <laughs> I don't really know how else to put that. Um, what we've kind of run into, and I ran into it a lot at the uh, gun store, was people who would never have owned firearms before. Oh, yeah. Now, who, who now have them. Tons and, of them. Yeah, millions, as a matter of fact. And, and not only that, but a lot of people who found out that the process is more intricate than they thought it was to get a firearm. Really, how many times people were absolutely sur- um, amazed with the fact that they might have to wait a few days? Or yeah. something of that nature. Yeah, you ain't going on like, with this today. <laughs> no. I mean, you're on delay. What does that mean? It means they're thinking about you. Um, so you're going to have people who figured out how hard it was to get a firearm. I mean, you're going to have people who've already put their money into owning one. Who are not going to be very appreciative when somebody says, oh, yeah, you got to get that back. Yeah. <laughs> and even when they start talking about things like mandatory buybacks, it's kind of like, yeah, we'll give you 200 bucks for that. It's kind of like, dude, this I is $1,600 gun. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so uh, I don't think it's going to work. And that was why I look at a lot of these things and say this is as, as much as this is, it's for optics because they can't be dumb enough to pass something that literally cannot be enforced. So. I don't know. Uh, I've seen us do stupid things before, uh, and, and oh, uh, things that are I mean, unenforceable. Uh, this is not a, a, a prerequisite, or it's it's not an obstacle. Okay, for today's uh, government, they're willing well, to do that. Was it uh, Douglas Adams who said that uh, every time somebody tries to make something that's foolproof, they've completely misunderstood the ingenuity of fools? Exactly. No, it is. You uh, you have grossly misunder or underestimated the power of morons. Uh, trust me. Uh, and the people you think are morons, those rednecks hanging out in Texas and the South and and Arizona and stuff like that, know more gun code than you do. Oh, absolutely. They are and, familiar and, with their rights and what they are allowed to do and not do, and they know how to get around it too. Uh, and and the popular sentiment out there right now for a lot of places is that, you know, most of the South is just, you know, ignorant rednecks right now anyway. Oh, sure. So so the idea that, you know, that these people might actually have a concept as to what's going on around them is, you know, completely foreign. You know, you got them people who talk like this. They must not know what you're talking about. Yeah, you um, hear somebody with an accent, you automatically deduct 50 IQ points. But it's it's not always that way. And these people, no. they, like, and if you had to pick something, you had to pick something. Like, there's the holy trinity, right? Beer, trucks, guns, okay? They know everything there is to know about all three of those things <laughs> as it pertains to them. Uh, the... You want to talk somebody really unmotivated to get rid of their guns? Talk to a uh, a redneck who knows their rights. 
Oh, absolutely. And who can who can name their rights chapter and verse? Which they do. I mean, I know a lot of people yep. like that. So it's it's one of those things that you're going to have to enforce very carefully or not at all in some cases uh, for any laws you put and, down. And, and see, and, and then once again, it kind of goes back into why I think one of them was created as a sacrificial lamb because the other two can be enforced. People won't like it, but it's enforceable. The fact that you are not going to let people sell um, what the quote-unquote assault weapon anymore is – for the most part, especially in legal shops, enforceable. The idea that if you're going to go to a gun show that you still have to go up to one of the tables and have them perform an actual background check and transfer for you, once again, you can theoretically at least enforce that. The idea of making the several hundred million guns that are out there suddenly illegal and suddenly everybody has to come and turn them in. It's not. It's not enforceable. Well, it's it's a lot like prohibition. You could do it, but you're gonna have a hard time. You're gonna have a, not only a hard time enforcing it, which they proved with prohibition as well, uh, but it's gonna be largely ineffective and wildly unpopular. And the worst part about it will probably also make the matter. Worse, not better. Well, it created the American gangster in in Prohibition times. Uh, all they did is, in every, there, there were people who just stepped into that vacuum. Oh, good. So we can, as long as we're all breaking the law, I can just go ahead and make money at it too. Yeah, all right, sure, I'll do that. <laughs> and you know, and the gangsters of Prohibition were born. You know, so it, it was. It, I mean, you'd think we'd have learned our lesson from something like that that is just so ubiquitous that it is a part of our culture, but apparently well, we haven't. We can, and I know we're even to some extent talking about starting an entirely new podcast on that, but that's what we'd have to do to talk about yeah. people's, you know, forgetting how things go. Work, yeah. You know. This is how humans work. Yeah, we forgot a lot of that. Uh, yeah, and, and a lot of people are about to get themselves kicked in the ass over the whole thing. So, um, <laughs> so, so yeah, I mean it, that that's a whole other discussion. Indeed, it is. But in the meantime, I've got a Ithaca Model Fifty One that works, and I am happy for you. I'm very pleased about that. And and uh, oh, I'm gonna throw one more out there. That's more of the fun, good gun stuff. I've got another gun I've got my eye on. Uh-oh. I don't know if I'm going to get a chance to get it or not, but it kind of goes into what we were talking about last week. We were talking about TriStars. Sure. Well, uh, at the gun shop, I just saw it come across, and it hasn't disappeared yet, so I'm just kind of waiting. Maybe it's what I'll take the uh, money that my brother's going to give me for the PPK and go and purchase. They've actually got a TriStar T100, which is basically – uh, the knockoff of the baby eagle with the, the smaller baby eagle. Oh. So the little nine millimeter desert eagle sort of thing. Oh, uh, it, it, it compa- I see. Com- compared to a desert eagle, it actually is reasonably usable and small, and it fires a nine millimeter round. So it's not like talking about a big uh, buying a big ass. Uh, it does look futury. It does. So uh, yeah, I, I, once again, depends on timing, but that 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 may have to be mine. And how much do do these go for? 
Um, well, they, they want 400 for the one that's there now. Well, that's not bad. Not bad at all. That's that's doable. Exactly, especially when, once again, I'm going to be getting money from a PPK. Well, sir, that might not be bad. That's a That looks like a fun play thing right there. And and it really would be a play thing. There's no way in hell I'm going to try to carry that sucker. <laughs> Here's two pounds of gun. Here you go. <laughs> Hope that doesn't make your pants sag. Yeah, but but it's it's a knockoff of an Israeli knockoff of a CZ, as usual. As usual, um, yep. But uh, at the same time, I have spoken to people who've shot them, and as we talked about before, have suggested that it's actually smoother than the CZ. Honestly, that doesn't surprise me. TriStar's been making some very interesting additions to their lineups recently, and they perform pretty well. I just want to see the look on my brother's face when he says, what did you replace my, the PPK with? And I bring out a baby eagle. <laughs> Could have had this, homie. <laughs> now, is is the one at the shop, is it all blacked out or is it like the silver yeah. one? No, it's all blacked out. Oh, okay. Okay. Because yeah. I'd have gone for the blingy one, but, you know, that's me. Yeah. And, and not only that, the, the other thing that makes me happy, as I said, it is the smaller of the two. They make a T100 and a T150, 150 or 120. Can't remember what it is, but it's it's they've got one that's uh, a bigger version of it as well. And I'm definitely going for the smaller one, <laughs> but it is still a baby eagle. Oh, man, that's awesome. Yeah. See, I yeah. like this big one. There's, I'm looking at a picture of a big one now. It's all silver and and. You know, it's got some black accents and stuff like that. And it's obvious, obviously the big one. I mean, it's it's barely fits in this dude's hand. And it oh, it looks yeah. good. <laughs> it looks good. I like it. Well, I, I got to go back to it. Now, it was the 50 caliber one that I that I did this on. I still got to go back mentally to looking at them in the case at the place I bought my first firearm going, gee, who the hell would carry something like that just to have the guy behind the counter lift up his shirt and... <laughs> I do. <laughs> I'll go stand over here now. <laughs> I'll just uh, shut up now. Yeah. Well, hey, you know, it's it, that's why they have all these different versions and models, because everybody likes to carry different stuff. Oh, they got one with a nice rosewood looking handle. That is a nice looking gun. Oh, well, I mean, the, the grips are interchangeable like the, the CZs. Oh. I mean, you can put a, you can put a CZ gri, uh, grip panel on it, so we may have to do something. We may it. have to do that. It looks sharp. The black with, like, the rosewood handle, That's that looks sharp. I like oh, that. I, well, it, all blacked out, I'm thinking this one could be my Darth Vader gun. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Oh, that, that would be a Vader gun. Exactly. Vader had a gun. That's what it would be. It's like an eagle Ex of some sort. Exactly. And the all blacked out one, too. Oh, well, you'd have to be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you, you need that. You need that in your life. And when you get rid of it, let me know. <laughs> when you buy it and hate it, you let me know. You're you're on the list for the uh, the, the Henry as it is. So. Yeah, that one I, I'm going to have to get this way. But, you know. That one's a uh, that one's a forty four, isn't it, or a three fifty seven? Uh, it's forty four. Yeah, see, I already have forty four. That's good. Yeah, see, I'll have to we'll have to talk on that one when you finally when well, when your I, new one finally comes in. I as I said, all in, in the worst part about it is all it is is I just want a damn side gate in it. <laughs> see, the Marlin I have has a side gate, so I 
I already have that. I just, yeah. you know, I don't have a Henry, though. And I would love to hold it over Buana's head like, hey, look, here's my Henry, you know. Uh, <laughs> just casually pull it out of a case. You know, it would be worth the money just to see the look on his face like, oh, would you get that? <laughs> well, that's cool. What is that, 44? Oh, you know, like, yeah. You know, worth the money just to see the look on his face. <laughs> Yeah, well, all I know is I couldn't handle my dad looking at me as I was loading it down the tube going, you know, John Wayne didn't load it like that. <laughs> Shut up, Dad. Click. <laughs> Click. <laughs> Click. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, and, and as much as they've said that they're coming out, nobody's got them yet. Yeah, nobody's. No, well, that seems to be going around a lot right now. I mean, nobody's coming. Uh, uh, they, everybody says they're coming out with a bunch of stuff, but nobody's got one. Uh, because I, I, as we talked about last week, that new Walther will be mine at some point. Oh man! Hopefully, if Shannon changes jobs, I won't have to get that for her, and I can actually get it for me. <laughs> but I'll have one. I will. I'll have one. It looks nice, it's unbelievably nice. So I we'll we'll see. But uh, hopefully, I get it, and and I actually am able to carry it and shoot it. Uh, otherwise it'll, it'll just be a duty pistol and I'll never have my hands on it again until she finds out something or finds something nicer than that. No, as long as it says Walter on it, she's happy. Oh, she won't have anything else. Yeah. I mean, if nothing else, just, you need to start engraving the name Walter and something cheaper. Yeah. Here's a nice Walter (laughs) CZ model. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Why does it have a bowl on it? It's, it's, uh, it's just weird grips. It, it says Taurus. No, no, it's fine. You'll love it. It's only a 45. <laughs> what? You don't like a 45? Oh, man. Well, the problem is she does. Or just or She's got little bitty hands, so she couldn't hold it anyway. Uh, yeah, no, actually, <laughs> as embarrassing as it is, I have the exact same problem. <laughs> See, my gorilla hands, I can wrap my hands around almost anything, so it's fine, you know. It's, yeah, no, yeah, no, that's why it's why I've generally gone for, yeah, they make a really big version of this, but I'll take a smaller one. Yeah, but I'll take the, uh, yes, the compact. You got a subcompact of that? That'd be great. Yeah. Uh, and my and, and my main carry gun is qualified as a micro compact. <laughs> I don't know what's the spectrum. Spectrum's a that's a subcompact, isn't it? Uh, no, well, no, that's that's a 380. Um, so it's not even kind of in that. You know, when you start talking about compact versus subcompact and all that, that's generally a nine millimeter that you're talking about, uh, and they're usually considered that way by how long the barrel is and how many rounds they carry. Um, so if you Think about it in terms of Glock, which is what everybody thinks about. You got the Glock 34, which is the full size. It holds 17 rounds and has a big, long ass barrel. Then you have the Glock 17, which is the duty or carry version, which has got a four inch barrel and holds 17 rounds. Then you get down to the Glock 19, which is definitely, definitely, excuse me, designated as the compact, which holds 15 rounds and has just under or just over right around a four inch barrel. Um, then the next step down is the 26, which has a three and a half inch barrel and holds 10 rounds, which is the subcompact. And then you get down to the 43, which is the micro compact, which is the little itty bitty single stack. 
I got a little itty bitty single stack and a 380. So uh, it's it's small. Yeah, it's small. Yeah, but 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 once again, they don't consider 380 to be a, a, a satisfactory self defense round. I think they're stupid. Really? Because but... I could plug a couple holes in somebody with it, and I guarantee you, you're not going to be happy. <laughs> That's the part that always gets me. It's like, they're like, oh, that's not, I'm like, really? So you would be okay with me just pulling this out and shooting you in the gut? <laughs> like, of course it is. It's going to work fine. Well, if you listen to Paul Harrell, the problem with that is, is the fact that if you shoot them once in the gut with it, they're probably still going to be able to shoot your ass back. That is true, uh, which is why I'm not going to use that for home defense. Uh, for home defense, is a shotgun. And if they get up after the shotgun, they're immortal anyway. So, uh, like, if you can get up from a nine-pellet nine buck buckshot round, double-out buck. Or, or, or what is it that uh, Dave Chappelle says? Oh, my God, that's not heroin. That's crystal meth. <laughs> exactly. I got five more waiting for you. All you got to do is twitch wrong, and we'll just turn you into a big plate of hamburger. It'll be fine. <laughs> you know, the uh, the the carry one though, that's a little bit different. And I do, I I carry a three eighty. It's just not to me. It's just not. I, I don't need the nine millimeter. I just don't. Um, at least for me in my situation. Uh, others may be different. Totally get it. Others may prefer other things. Totally get it. I know a guy carries a concealed 44 mag. <laughs> I'm like, Jim, that's really not as concealed as you might think it is. Uh, no, it's not printing. I'm like, I'm not saying that, but you walk funny with it on because it's, it's not small, dude. No, it's fine. <laughs> okay. I forget I'm wearing my Spectrum half the time. I'm pretty sure you know you have that on all the time. Oh, yeah, it's great. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Whatever floats your boat, homie. <laughs> it's, it's just fine. Oh, yeah, you know the old cartoon. You've got the 45 looking at the 9mm going, I'm bigger than you are. The 9mm is going, yeah, but I'm faster and I have more friends. You know, and no. it's, at a certain point, it's true. You know, it's like, okay. Like, dude, what do you need a 44 mag for? I mean, it's like, those cases, big guys, you know. Like, I, okay, I can't really argue with that, Jim. I, I don't know, like, what in your scenario, the entire defensive line is coming at you, and you need to stop them with a six-shot 44 mag revolver. Okay. All right. Well, I mean, not only that, but it's a, a six-shot forty-four Magnum revolver, and you got the entire defensive line coming at you. You're, it's going to be more like than six dead people. Pulls. Yeah. Some of you are going to have to share. Can y'all? Some of y'all stand in the line. That's it's uh going to we we need to share a little bit. Uh, you know, I I get it. I mean, I I I get the thing. I mean, I've seen somebody try and carry a judge concealed. It didn't oh, work. Oh no. no. Yeah, that's not a, a small a pistol. A judge is for home defense when you don't want to actually have a 12-gauge. Not if you live in Texas, it's not. <laughs> you got a big-ass duster and boots. hide anything under there. It's concealed. Uh, and, and we've had this conversation before. I still remember working at the, uh, the gun store and having to explain to people the difference between are you trying to kill someone or are you trying to stop someone? 
Because if you're trying to kill someone, surprisingly enough, you're more likely to do it with a smaller caliber. Yeah. But if you're trying to stop someone, that may kill them, but they're going to have a whole lot of time to take care of you, too, if you shoot them with a small caliber. Yeah. Because yeah, what mean, you're creating is wound channels. You're not actually, you know, knocking somebody over or knocking them down or blowing big holes in them, but you are creating wound channels that the doctors are not going to be able to put back together. Which is why I'm sure your boy carried a 50 caliber. <laughs> I would like a hole the size of a softball coming on the back of his chest. <laughs> and the concrete wall behind him, you know. I mean, that's... That's that's kind of the the level you're getting at that, you know. Uh, yeah, I I do the the commonly held thought process of a nine millimeter plus B. Commonly held, it is indeed. Oh, well, and once again, if you if you ask ten different firearm experts which is the best defensive round that you're going to find, oh it's yeah, that's a fantastic way to start a oh. wild argument. Oh, absolutely. But but you're going to get slightly more than anyone else saying some, a 9mm plus P at about 124 grains. Now, is it going to be something that someone else doesn't jump up and down and scream at them and possibly slug them for having the galls to say? Yes. But that's going to be probably the most prevalent answer you're going to get. You're going to have a group of people up to the side who start a riot over the fact that they wanted to try to carry a 45. Some of the other side are going to talk about carrying a 44. You're going to have some people over here talking about carrying just a standard 9mm. You're going to have some people over there talking about a 380. And then when you get to the 380 crowd, those two are going to be split in half as to whether or not you should be carrying a hollow point or a full metal jacket. So, yeah. And then the pandemic hit, and nobody can find ammunition for anything. So it's pretty academic, you know. All those people who, who and you were one of these, and I always loved that story. Was was just the, oh, I figured this out. You know, I have I have guns that use all the same ammunition. That way, I can. It's all interchangeable until you can't find any. <laughs> yep. That has yeah, backfired I mean, I, somewhat. <laughs> you know? I, I will admit that I have kind of slinked back to most of my firearms being 9mm, but I do have a couple of 380s. I do have a couple of 45s. I do have a 223-556. I do have a 44 rifle. There are other calibers available in my house now, but I have slinked a little bit closer back to having more 9mm again. But at the same time, I won't go back to where I was the first time. Yeah, where you basically only had nine millimeters. <laughs> yep. It seemed like a good idea at the time. <laughs> but during a real crisis, that may be an issue. See, I have, just because of my eclectic uh, tastes, I I mean, shotguns are largely 12 and 20. I mean, mostly yeah. 12s now. I've kind of switched from the 20s to the 12s. I have some 20. I have some 410. Uh, but most of the shotguns are 12 gauge, uh, pistols, shit. I mean, it's all over. It's, it's 380, 22, nine millimeter. Uh, I mean, there's, there's, I'm considering buying my brother's 44, which he doesn't want anymore because he can't find ammunition for it. And I'm like, yeah, but that's temporary. Scott. That's, uh, how much you want for it? Oh yeah. Well, I'll do that. Yeah. That's no problem. <laughs> Because you know, um, it's, like, it's like, when are you going to find a a big 
you know, 44 hog, you know, like the big ones with the big vent on the tube and the slab side and the big, you know, the big framed bastards for under a grand. Right. Um, no. Yeah. You I, could do I, that now. I, it's, it's one of the ones that I lust after the, but I probably never spend the money for is I still would love to have a Kiapo Rhino. Oh God. <laughs> Hell, if it's good enough for the rock, it's good enough for me. Ah, <sighs> There is, um, that's a lot of gun. <laughs> uh, actually, well, I mean, the one I'm looking at is is something like the, the snub-nosed one versus the really big one that the rock carries. But I was going to say, time, though, if you're doing the rock carry, I mean, that's got like four vents in the thing. It's got like an eight and a half inch barrel or something ridiculous. I mean, it, it's a it, big boy. Yeah, I'm talking snub-nosed, but at the same time, it, it sure as hell looks like a neat fire. I mean, not only that, I, I, I like the idea of where the actual... Uh, barrel is to cut down on recoil. Well, you know, the MSRP on those little snub nose things with the uh, the two or the three inch barrel, it's only 1500 I mean, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, how bad can it be? I, I have a 229, which is generally retail about a grand, and I managed to get a disgustingly good deal on that to the point where most people would just throw up as how as to how little I paid for it. And that is about as far into the, that type of dollar amount firearm I'm willing to go. You know, I had my hands on it. I know we got to go here, but uh, I had one more. I had my hands on uh, a couple of days ago a full-size SIG P320. Okay, and, and it was it, it's a nice gun. I yeah. I've always liked them. They're very, they're very. It's not as basic looking as a Glock, and you know I go by that. You know, like I Glock looks boring to me. I know that it's boring because it's it's and and, and not to start another war, especially considering the fact that you know me, I'm with Sigs the way your wife is with Walthers. Um, the 320 is an excellent shooter, arguably a smoother shooter than the Glock. Arguably, that is indeed true. Yes. And I looked at that and went, hmm. And the guy was only wanting 324 or 319 for it. That's not a bad deal. That's not a bad deal. You know, it was used, and I probably would have to wind up going through some things and all that kind of stuff. But, uh, but that's the other part about it is they're easy to go through. Yeah. You know, like the, the only part about this is it didn't have a magazine. And I'm like, uh, unfortunately, unlike the Glocks, you do not find cheap SIG magazines. No, you don't. Um, and which is the only like if it was a twenty dollar mag, okay, nope. But it's not. It's a fifty dollar mag. <laughs> and I'm just like, well, tack fifty bucks to the other. I'm like, are you sure you don't have it? Because I'll buy it right now. You know, if if it's if you can find a mag for it, I'll buy it right now for a list. I won't even argue with you. I'll just pay the three twenty plus the the fee and all that kind of stuff right now. I even have cash. And he looked around the back. He could not find a magazine for it. And I'm like, I, it's going to be another 50 bucks tacked on top of this. You know, and I always like to have two magazines for, for the guns I own. So well, that should be a, that should be a minimum. Yeah. I mean, so uh, for so I'm like, uh, I don't think that's going to work, you know, because it's I mean, I'm going to have to spend a hundred and, you know, 120 bucks just to put magazines in the damn thing. That doesn't count all the the 
other stuff I want to do to it, you know, like putting a light on it or putting some sighting on it or, you know, some optics or something like that. There's all kinds of stuff you can do to a, a 320 because they, they're actually pretty modifiable. And uh, I just can't, you know, <laughs> I just can't. <laughs> I mean, it was in nine millimeter and all that stuff. Uh, and, or no, it was in 357. And, oh, it was a 357 SIG? Yeah. Okay. And it was 357 P320. Well, see, that's the other problem is uh, considering the fact that it's not even a popular-ish round, the 357 SIG is even harder to find than 9mm these days because nobody's even bothered making it. Right. It's kind of like it's kind of like 45 gap. <laughs> yeah. Good luck. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, the only thing the only thing that's making is that there are a couple of law enforcement agencies that when they moved over to the six hours picked up on the 357 SIG. Um, not many. <laughs> yeah. Not a whole lot. Not a whole lot, actually. You know, the frame was fine. I could have done a bunch of stuff. I like 357 anyway. It's not a bad round. I just I, I you know, mm, no, you know, it's it's. It was one of those deals where it's like I I love SIGs I just don't like them that much. <laughs> like if I'm gonna spend well, that much extra. Well, I tell you what, when I when they finally start having around and I finally get an opportunity to upgrade uh, mine to the one with the metal frame, which is my plan. Right. Um. At, at some point, then we'll talk about if you want the one that I have. I've got a couple of grips for it and stuff of that nature. You'll you'll enjoy it. Man, I'm gonna buy all your cast offs, aren't I? Because I'm already getting your hand me, right? <laughs> hey, uh, you know what the worst part about it is? Is um, ever since I finally put the rubber pad on the back of the Henry and figured out how to deal a little bit more with the recoil so that it doesn't throw my shoulder out, I'm now disappointed I sold you the black aces. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a when hell of a dandy gun. You said, when you sent me the pictures of the, of your of your shotgun line shotguns lined up, I saw that one down the end and went, "Damn!" <laughs> I had that. Yeah, yeah, it's a sweetheart of a gun too. And once again, I just hadn't quite figured out how to modify something to take some kick out of it, and it blew my shoulder out. <laughs> ah, we'll swap it back. It's fine. Oh, hey, you know, maybe we'll organize a, you know, part of that is for the the Henry, if if depending on how you're feeling about it at the time. Hell yeah, that'd be good. We'll figure it out. <laughs> you got anything else, sir? <laughs> I do not. Right on. Well, thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for downloading, and we will see you next time. Don't buy ammunition. Don't be that guy. <laughs> On behalf of Jake Bona and I, thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. If you're interested in more content like this or podcasts, check us out at hawksideguns.com. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.